What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican Kaiju himself, Christian Joel Ramos, back in again with a brand new review. And today I'm here with my guest, Raul Montero. What's up? What's up? I'm so excited to finally do this. Oh, yes. We've been planning this for a while, and we are finally doing it. We are going to review the Universal Studios series, the ultimate family film franchise of all family. time. Family. The Fast and the Furious movies, the Fast Saga, whatever you want to call it. We are going to review the first two films that came out way back when. I think I was probably in uh, the first one. I was definitely in middle school. Two thousand one. Yeah, I was a that oh, two thousand one. Let's not hmm. let's not get too detailed about two thousand and one. But yes, um, God, what did I like about the first movie? Like after years of not really watching it, what did I take away from it? How bad movies could be awesome. Yes, like let's just face it. Part one is Point Break. Absolutely. It was inspired by Point Break, but instead of being surfers, it's race car drivers. Yeah. And it went with the time. Because just think about it. Right around that time is when Need for Speed was finally kicking off. Pit My Ride was like a thought. No, Pit My Ride was 2004, so it was a little bit past that. But I would say it was peak, let's say, um, what's that anime that's based on street racing? Initial D? No, even older. I think it's... Speed uh, Racer? Younger. Think 90s. Ah. Uh, I know the name of it. It's in my damn tongue. I can't think of it right now. Oh, my God. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to Google it because it's such a simple one, too. It, that was the beginning of, like, race car... Uh, I guess you can say racing... Uh, let's see. Racing anime. Racing isekais. Was it called Drift. Initial D. Initial D. That's the one I said. It was? You said so fast. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the Initial D, IGP, there was a few of them. God. But yes, F-Zero. Well, I mean, no. That's more sci-fi. But yes, race car driving. Around this time, the culture of illegal street driving in the real world was picking up. So they're like, let's make a movie out of it and make it an action flick, sort of, or like elements of action. But still yeah. keep it within racing. And boy, did that change after a few sequels. Yes. Like, it got with the times. Like, it still blows my mind that the thing they were chasing after was like VCRs and DVD players. Mind you, at the time, DVD players were like gold. If you recall, I remember how having a DVD player was like having a... Blu-ray player, which is like having a 4K OLED TV at this point. Blu-ray was so, no DVD was so expensive. I didn't own my first DVD till like ten years after the platform existed. So like 2006 or whatever. Like it came out in the late 90s. Yeah, I remember my brother like saved up and scrimped for a tiny portable DVD player. You were flexing if you had that. Yeah, in the minivan with the back. Oh my god. I uh, like the giant, like, battery pack. If you didn't have the cartoon theme one, like Shrek or <laughs> Pikachu, whatever, like, that was, like, the ultimate flex. Second choice would be a PS2 or PS1. No, PS2 with the screen. That would be the, Oh, that would be the PS1. That would be the PS1? Okay, cool. That played DVDs or no? No, just CDs. Just CDs, which is music. The PS2 would have been DVDs. Yeah, so anyways, the first film... I didn't take any notes because this movie is embroidered, uh, implemented. In yeah. Head. We start off with um, Detective uh, Brian. God. What no, he's it? just an officer. Oh, sorry. He's trying to get his detective. He's trying to get his detective ship promotion. 
Brian, what was it? O'Connor. O'Connor. His fake name was Brian something else. Brian Earl Spillman. I know way too much about these movies. No, no, listen. You're like Orange Cassidy when it comes to Fast and Furious <laughs> facts. I need you here for that because I am very bad with names. In general, I'm just bad with names. Uh, so, yes. So, he's there undercover to find where this – because the movie starts with an actual scene of crime where these four Honda Civics were like – Green LEDs. Right away, you're trying to be stealth and you got LEDs in your car. You're going to stand out. But whatever. Yeah. It's for the effect of the movie. And plus, those LEDs in the car were like new back then. And everyone's like, what? How do I get some of those? Which are now illegal in certain states. I know in my state's illegal. It can't have that shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, because it distracts people. Absolutely does. Um, but yeah, so the this team, they're all wearing helmets and all black. So like, again, they're good thieves because you can't tell what they look like. And they're taking down DVD trucks. I mean, trucks with DVDs in them. DVD um, trucks would be awesome. Yeah, I know, right? They're not taking the trucks themselves. No, they're driving around them and using fucking grappling harpoons or whatever. Something you would take down a damn whale with, and they're breaking in. And at this time in history, truck drivers weren't uh, packing heat like they are now, because this was a new phenomenon of people trying to be bold enough to literally almost like like bandits in a train, like you know, just trying to steal from giant. Like, what do you call that? When the bandits in the trains, you, you know, heist, heist, like three ten a Yuma, like, yeah, like that kind of thing, but. It, on the road, which was like a new thing. Now, every truck driver I know has a gun. <laughs> every one of them has a gun. But in this film, they're just carrying baseball bats because they don't – it's more simpler times. This is pre or right around before 9-11. I hate to bring it up, but it's about that time, about the same era. Yeah. Where things were a little bit more peaceful and people weren't just on edge as much as they are now. And the whole film revolves around him – Becoming friends with the leader of this crew. They don't have a name. They're not like a club. No. But they're a family. They're a family. And that's Dom Toretto's family. And Dom is the patriarch of the family, the older brother. The parents aren't in the picture yet. I know the mom is in the picture in sequels later. but And they live in L.A. And this is where it confused me as a kid. I thought the whole movie took place in Arizona. So growing up, like, oh, yeah, they're from Arizona. But then in the later sequels, they're in California. Like, oh, they probably moved. Like, no, no, no. Watching back the first movie after so many years, they start off in California in, in Los Angeles. Yes. You probably just thought Arizona because you saw his uh, license say Arizona on it. That and the fact that a big part of the important part of the film takes place in Arizona because of the race wars. Not the, those kind of race no, wars. No, no, no. no. <laughs> We're not talking about those kind of race wars. We're talking about cars racing on an army base, abandoned army base, which is a clever idea. Why haven't they done that in real life? <laughs> they should have done that for real. Like they, I, I now I'm gonna Google to see if this actually is like a racing event for like souped up. Just car. don't Google specifically race wars. No, you're gonna get the freaking Fox Nation page and fucking <laughs> uh, <laughs> all the conservative sites. Is there a race war in America? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the whole film. I'm not going to say the whole story, because you already know it. I'm pretty sure everyone here has seen it. I want to talk about what I like about the movie. Yeah. How about that? Instead of narrating the entire film, my favorite part of the movie is how Brian is the smoothest white guy I've ever seen in movies. No corniness at all. And we both discussed this. Just like Keanu Reeves, he has this natural cool of like just being himself. Yes. That you can't really see in a lot of actors. Some actors try to be cool in films that come off corny. Some are cool, but they're unlikable in, in reality. 
Paul Walker was a walking, breathing, like, cool dude. Like, he's just a guy you want to, like, drink a beer with, drive, go driving around with, just, like, a very... And also a great father, from what I understand, too. Like, mm-hmm. He was, like, one of the best. And no, they, they, mind you, rest in peace, Paul Walker, now. But even years later, his name is still tied to the franchise because he was – they want to keep his name alive. Like, this guy was an amazing human being. And I haven't seen anyone in that position since, again, Keanu Reeves, who's in the same similar renaissance of, like, everyone's acknowledging he's the coolest guy ever. Not because he's cool, because he's humble, because he's gone through so much shit in life and still managed to keep his – charisma or like his natural like vibe yeah and that's what i like about the the character development of paul walker is like even though he's not really quote-unquote acting a character it fits the world the movie and the people in the environment yeah and we were actually talking about this while we were watching the movie like if paul walker never got into his tragic accident down the line, he would have gotten his own John Wick in a sense. He had a movie that was similar to a. I mean, you brought it up, Running Scared, which was good. I thought it was good. It was just a B movie. It wasn't like big budget. But he was on the way. Blue Crush was a movie he was in, or no? Into the Blue. Into the Blue with uh, Jessica Alba. Jessica Alba didn't see that one, but I'm hydrophobic, so I don't really watch a lot of water movies. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I avoid anything that I can see a shark in. It freaks me out. Uh, we all have our things, right? I'll watch fucking Exorcist movies. I'll watch zombies. I'll watch any kaiju movie, unafraid. You mentioned sharks, I freak out. That's why it, I was a little apprehensive with Aquaman. But in Aquaman, the sharks were the last thing I was paying attention to. <laughs> <laughs> when you got krakens and freaking uh, other mythical creatures in the ocean. But anyways, back and to And Amber Heard. Ooh, <laughs> let's not go there today. But this cast, who's your favorite out of the core cast in this two, the first film? The first film, it's got to be Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel just oozes cool. And this is before Vin Diesel um, admitted to being a D&D guy, admitted to being the Street Sharks spokesman. <laughs> Remember Street Sharks spokesman? <laughs> no, no, no. This is the era. This is after that. No shit. So he just did the Street Sharks toys. No. The Street Sharks thing was like 95, 96 before okay. he became like a full-on actor actor. He was like a beat. Oh, no, he was a breakdancer in the 80s, too. Like Yeah, and I think this is right around the time of... Uh, he was in this movie with Ben Affleck, Boiler Room. Yep. And the funny thing about... Oh, and Saving Private Ryan. Yes. This was the the uh, Vin Diesel songs. Like, yes. It was like him his coming out party. And Pitch Black. Pitch Black came out the year before the first one. The first one or Riddick? Because Riddick was right around the same time, right? No, Pitch Black. The first one, okay. Yes. Chronicles of Reddit came during his little breather away from the franchise. When he was doing Triple X and other stuff. Yes. Okay, cool. You know, I've never seen any of those films. I know, shocker. Riddick or Triple X? Uh, no, I've seen the Triple X movies. I've not seen the Pitch Black series. Because none of my friends ever owned the DVDs. And Blockbuster died at this time. So, Gee, if only you knew someone who owned all three of them. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll focus on that at a later time. Yeah, we got plenty of this left. Um, the tuna sandwich joke. Yes. Never gets old. And um, it's true. Who the fuck orders a tuna sandwich at a, like, a Hispanic restaurant? Like, that's the last thing I'm going to order at a – well, I don't want to call it a Hispanic restaurant because they never really – it's the one thing that uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here? The elephant in the room. They never like specify what race the Toretto's are. Which I think is genius. You never specify what the what ethnicity or culture the turtles are. 
directly because it leaves it open ended to where anybody can fit there and be part of that family. Yes. They are, I believe the phrase is racially androgynous. Ambig- ambiguous. Ambiguous. Racial, like, Vin Diesel himself, we didn't know he was biracial, like black and white, for many years. We all assumed he was Hispanic. Yeah. That's just what he looks like to us. Actually, even most people thought he was Hispanic. He's not. His wife is Hispanic, though, because he's married to a Mexican, uh, Mexican woman. But I thought his wife was Dominican for the longest time mm-hmm. because he loves being in DR. So yeah. You see where all this is like kind of yeah, like yeah. already. We have like a full on Pepe Silvio board trying to connect everything. We're fucking Charlie Day over here. Like, but yeah. So, and then also the other side characters that kind of don't come back, but they kind of do. Um, Jesse. The, Jesse. The first autistic. We, we came to this. The first uh, cool autistic character in a movie. Yeah. That like talked about the spectrum before it was a thing. Yeah. And, like, not that there was, of course, there was, you know, Gilbert Grape, there was The Rain Man, there was I Am Set. There's many movies in that era that talk about different mental handicaps. Yeah. But autism wasn't a thing in this time. ADD, maybe. And yeah, he, talked he about, says that he has ADD. Yeah, and maybe it wasn't ADD, maybe it was ADHD, but ADHD didn't exist at this point. So they're basing it off old uh, mental health uh, studies from 20 plus years ago. One thing that was shocking is the language in this movie. Yes, they drop like a casual F slur. A couple, listen, and then we're not talking about the F bomb that we all use. We're talking about the F bomb that we stopped using after the whole Elton John Eminem debacle. So yes. Like, that was when I stopped using it. Like, when it became a serious topic on, like, like oh shit, am I really being an asshole? Like, and I was 13. So, like, Funny thing is, I know adults who still talk that way. Not like yeah. they're stuck in a certain era and they can't evolve. But I'm, the, I don't, I'm not one to like tell people how to speak because that's just, that's just fighting words right there. But I am one to say like, hey, just watch how you're speaking to people around us. You know, like if you're gonna talk crazy, do it on your like. You're, when you hang out with power reads, you're gonna hear power talk. Like you know what I'm saying? Like you go to a bar, people are gonna talk crazy. But if I'm in public, I know how to carry myself because I have friends of the LBTQT community and I would never use anything to purposely make fun or like play, play joke up. But if we're joking with each other, it's a difference. The, the difference between joking with friends and just being malicious, just punch people down. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. And again, it was dropped once, but it made an impact and be like, damn, the culture has changed in this world. We're like, I know. We got and the so- fact they can just casually drop it in a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, PG thirteen. Now it's a, it has to be, it has to be in a rated R film to be considered like and it was more used in the eighties and nineties because obviously, you know, hip hop was huge and I think everybody was very rebellious and coarse language is more like HBO was a big deal that there was uncensored language in HBO yeah. series. That's why you look at old shows like The Wire. They drop a million fucks on every on every single like for no, for no reason just because they can. And it got so ridiculous. I'm like, I look listen, I love The Wire, one of the best shows ever. I'm not going to talk shit about it. But the language is so outdated as far as, far as like people swear when they talk, but not every two seconds. Like, yeah, it was like almost like over abusing the lang- like you know, the English language to just. That's how I feel about The Sopranos. Yeah, like do people really talk that fucking much? Okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a it's a it's a towny thing. It's just like a but still, um, that wasn't what I want to dwell on. I just want to dwell on how the people carried themselves back then. It's way different too. Yeah. Like, swag was way different. The way we dress, you know, baggy jeans. But in movies, I don't think they ever got how people really dressed 
to a T. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you can, like, okay, for example, 90s movies. The way suburban kids dress in the 90s movies, not really a representation of how real suburban kids dress. It was almost like a caricature. That's the word yeah. before. So similar to that, not that everyone in this movie felt like they were a caricature of themselves, but it felt like the wardrobe department in the first film was almost like, what do cool race car guys people like to dress like? Yes. Whereas the second one, it felt more like, because John Singleton directed yes. that one, it felt like the fashion made sense. Like, oh, this is how I would dress in 2002. Like, it, and it wasn't like a costume. It was just like, Literally what people were dressed. Yes. And to piggyback on, like, too, can we just, like, have an RIP to Ja Rule making the dumbest business decision outside of Fire Festival? Outside of his whole career, let's be honest. Beefing with 50 was definitely a huge one. But, <laughs> but yes, um, Ja Rule had a small cameo. I'm surprised they haven't brought him back. No, because I told you this. No. His original role was supposed to be ludicrous. Get the fuck out of here. Yes. He turned down being in the sequel, and they gave that spot to ludicrous. That's a So ever since then, he's had, like, an ill will with the franchise for just, like, turning them down since two. Then he should have reconciled, because they brought back every character from that series, literally every character that's still alive. True, but I feel like knowing Ja Rule, he'll never admit when he's wrong. He's just the kind of person to just be like, all right, fine, I'll make my own film series. You know what I mean? Good God. I, I still haven't seen Need for Speed, the one with Kid Cudi and... Uh, I have seen that. It's fine. But it could have been better. Absolutely. Because I'm a huge Need for Speed fan. You know, you know what they should have done? They should have just called it Need for Speed Underground. Oh, God. Because what do people miss? They want more Fast and Furious type movies. That would have been a direct... Fast and Furious type movie where you're specifying on street racing. Which is interesting because the Need for Speed 2015 like soft reboot fits in a Fast and Furious tone. If you guys have never played that one, I highly recommend it if you want to scratch that itch. The one I was playing for a while with uh, Abner was the one in Miami. Uh, Heat? Is it uh, Need for Speed Heat? Uh, yeah. I It's okay. It could be better, but it still visually has that Fast and Furious vibe to it. Mine is still the 2005 Most Wanted. No shit, huh? But yeah, so the first film, um, quotable characters. Vince, who looks like Billy Butcher from The Boys. Yes. Now that I see the... Like, he looks like Kano from Mortal Kombat. Like, he has that... kept saying that. He has that look. And um, he's wearing, like, a mesh, mesh... What do you want to call it? Jersey, I guess? Pretty much. Which is weird, because I don't really see white guys dressing like that. See what I mean? See what I mean? With costume yeah. design, it's like... He could have just been in a damn t-shirt. It would have been fine. Like, we kept pointing out all the separate meme references that Bro, were throughout the film. I keep forgetting how memeable this fucking movie was. So many gifts and memes on Twitter. I never knocked on nobody! Yo, that scene with the guy from uh, <laughs> uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> Die Another Day. Oh, it's Die Another Day. Son yeah. of a bitch, I knew it. Ugh, I'm always messing movies up. Tomorrow Never Dies is Michelle Yeoh. Oh... That's, oh, that was a good one. Yeah. That was in the London Bridge. and Yeah. Uh, but yes, Fast and Furious 1, again, as cheesy, it, it was iconic because you don't understand. Before Fast and Furious, car culture was very underground. <laughs> not to be a pun, but seriously, you just knew people who were into cars or not. People were illegally 
street racing. I know people that I will not say their names. They got arrested or a ticket for drag racing in the middle of the night in Lawrence or Lowell because they wanted to. Because obviously that bridge, that Pemberton Bridge, everyone loves to just (laughs) – and then also in Lowell off of 110, which is ridiculous. 110 is not a highway. It's a damn street. Uh, It feels like a highway, but it's not. And that's where people will get caught all the fucking time because they were stupid because they got, like, not inspired, but that's just what they did. But it wasn't for pink slips. It was just for, for like, bragging rights, right? Like, just like, ah, beat them. Like, you know, my car's more souped up. Then Fast and Furious came out, and street car culture blew up in Lawrence. I even seen the Eclipse from the first film in Lawrence. Yeah, at that uh, dealership right off of Broadway, right? That dude has had that car all this time. But it's almost like, oh, shit, look, it's the real car from the only thing is his is gray. It's not green. Right. And even we talk about Point Break, and Point Break is one of my favorite guilty pleasure movies. Listen, this is a guilty pleasure podcast right now. We're just going to it. Like, I love the fact that even down to the ending where he just, like, lets him go. And, like, gives them the keys. I owe you a 10-second car. That was dope. The Super that they fixed. That Super is beautiful. I want that car right now so much. Also, can we haven't talked about him yet. Can we talk about Hector? Hector is the Mexican actor that's in every God-forsaken movie. I swear to God, he was only Mexican that had an acting role in the 2000s. Like, he was in everything. Not only that, he was Hector in everything. They were... Talk about being typecast as yourself. This dude was literally fool number one in every movie. <laughs> Not only that, but if you check his IMDb, a lot of his characters are named just Hector. He only has two roles where he's not named Hector, and it's in the recent decade. So <laughs> it's it's funny. But yeah, he's in there as a as a he has a shop, he buys parts for his team, his team's in this race. And obviously, uh Paul Walker's character, uh Brian O'Connor, they remember the name. Uh, was going to his garage, sticking around to see if he is, his his car matched the because he's working for the cops. Obviously, this guy's trying to be a detective. They got a house uh, in Beverly Hills, the famous house every celebrity has lived in. I swear to God, every celebrity at one point has lived from Frank Sinatra to like um, yeah. Elizabeth Taylor. It's that. No, house. That's who it was built for. Oh, it was built for that. Yeah, it was built for Elizabeth Taylor. Well, Frank Sinatra lived there for a bit. I know that a bunch of actors, it became like the Airbnb for a lot of actors. Like, mm. you want this house? Here you go. Because it was a starter home. Let's put it that way. It's beautiful, but it's not big enough to be a luxury house. Like, it's for today's standards. Yeah. It's just the location is luxury because you're at the damn top of the hill. It's a great view. But as far as, like, area space it's not that big but this house literally has inspired so many houses and cartoons and like movies even iron man's house i think is literally based off this house like i feel like every house has that same aesthetic like oh this house with a piano in it and it has a pool like it looks the exact architecture of this house is i've seen it so many times or they filmed in that same house <laughs> this whole time since the 60s so it's just that house um, I don't know. And we also got to add uh, Michelle Rodriguez and Jordana Brewster. Listen, my sexual awakening definitely was around this time. And Michelle Rodriguez was the hottest actress at the time. And I'm just like, who is that? And then you find out she's Puerto Rican in the beginning. And you're like, oh, shit, she's one of us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jordana Brewster, Brazilian actress. I believe so, yes. I thought she was Native American. 
but hmm. you know, it just she just had the name. It doesn't didn't sound Latin, right? Yeah. But again, they don't really talk about their ethnicities in the movies. They don't. They don't. Uh, they don't like here. I'm Mexican, or here I'm Puerto Rican, or here I'm Cuban. They talk about cultures. Like Vince was trying to take out uh, Jordana's character to a Cuban restaurant to eat some platanos yeah. <laughs> called cha cha cha, and then yeah. she used that information to make Vince jealous because she likes Brian. Yeah. And, so you can take me there, right? Oh, man. I, I thought it was going to be a fight scene when I first saw that. <laughs> but, um... No. Uh, I thought the fight scene was going to be at the house party when they finally showed up. It's like, hey, why'd you bring the buster over here? Because the buster kept me out of handcuffs! That was cool because it's true. He literally saved Vin Diesel from getting arrested. Uh, and then, like, a minute later, he's like, you can have any beer you want as long as it's a Corona. Enjoy it. This is Vince's beer. He loves Coronas. Like, Coronas is probably sponsoring this this franchise. <laughs> now, the first movie, I wasn't really digging the music much in the first movie, but you un- gotta understand, I'm older now. Yeah, it's of the time. I will say, like, the opening moment when, like, he gets jumped by Vince, and, like, the song is like, watch your back, watch your back. I love when movies do this. They actually take song lyrics and attach them to scenes to make sense. But they're also catchy-ass tunes. Hmm. But um, let's discuss... Um, let's jump to the second one. I think we've talked enough of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, quick rating. I would give this one a 3.5. I would give it a solid 4 because it was the first one ever made. Yes. Only because it was the first one. It wasn't the best, but it was good. Now, that being said, people are going to say, oh, but God's in 60 Seconds was a better uh, race car movie. God in 60 Seconds did not give you 10 sequels. No. <laughs> Let's and be honest. That was just a remake. That was a remake of another Gone Six Seconds. This was actually loosely a new film franchise, and I don't know why I'm talking like William Shatner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Too Fast, Too Furious was the second one, right? Yes. Good title. I was apprehensive before watching this one when I was younger because I liked the dynamic of Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. Yes. And can we just say when we watched the uh, mini turbocharged prelude that like linked up, they went so far to even make like a tiny prequel to this movie. Which is, could have been in the movie. It should have just been a montage. Yeah. But whatever. I like that they had that separately. And then the movie was like ludicrous. That's why I watched that movie when I was younger. But I never watched the whole thing sitting down. Oh, for me, it was Tyrese. Because I used to watch Baby Boy all the time with my older sister. BET, I swear to God, Baby Boy had a chokehold on (laughs) BET when I was growing up. Like, what the fuck? It was always on. To the point that I can probably quote Baby Boy (laughs) from the beginning to end, but I don't want to because, no. And speaking of Baby Boy, that's why Tyrese is in this, because he collabed with John Singleton in three films. Yes, the first director of the movie was, the first film, who was it? Rob Cohen. Rob Cohen. Of the Cohen Brothers? No. Oh, different Cohen. Okay. Yeah. Not the Cohen Brothers. He's the one that, the only movie I can think of that he's done is the Alex Cross movie with Tyler Perry. Which wasn't a bad movie. It was like almost like a... The, uh, the, the, uh, what's the word? Uh, Denzel. God, I cannot think of movies. <sighs> yeah, I was going to say The Inquisitor. No, uh, Denzel's got this movie. You know which I'm talking about. Equalizer? Equalizer. He was like an Equalizer character. Yeah, that's, um, 
Antoine Fuqua who directed of those. Of course, movies. that's why I get into that vibe. But yes, John Singleton and Tyrese linked up. He brought him to Too Fast Too Furious, and Tyrese fit. I yes, think. he. I like Roman. He was a good character. I will say this: the one thing that was missing in the first movie is like some sort of comedic one. Mm-hmm. They just look like the situations be comedic, but like awkward comedic comedy versus yeah. This one, they actually had somebody with punchlines. Yeah, like Tyrese just being like Tyrese. <laughs> Yo, we hungry. Listen, Tyrese was just being Tyrese, and it worked because. This is the one franchise that he can come back to, and it'll literally pay his child support. I don't want to bring that up. That man owes almost a quarter, three quarters of a million dollars in child support a month. I don't know how the fuck his wife, ex-wife pulled that shit off, but that shit sucks. Because <laughs> this kid's a baby, so he's got years to come. Anyways, he has many sequels left in him. Uh, <laughs> but the franchise is coming to a close. I don't know how many residual checks you can get from the Fast and Furious franchise at this point. Uh, I mean, they do have a ride on... Universal Studios. Yes, and they're going to make a Fast and Furious animated series, apparently, on Peacock or something. Yeah, and they already have an animated one for kids on Netflix. There you go. See what I mean? So they're working on a lot of stuff, Fast and Furious. Now, the second one was different because we went from sunny California to South Florida, Miami, Dade County, Board County, Miami. And it's like a whole different vibe, but it's definitely my vibe. I love Miami. I've never been, but I know people that live there, and it's very Latin. Yeah. Eva Mendes, uh, that was her breakout role. Yep. Before this, she was a video vixen for uh, rap videos. And um, she turned down a Lil Wayne and Baby video uh, back in 2001 or two be- because she just retired. Because in her credits, they were calling her a video hoe or whatever it was. Before video vixen was a term. They, so, like, she's like, oh, hell no. So she left the video music, you know, world and started acting and this was one of the first roles and yeah and she's been acting since so props to her for leaving that toxic environment of you know being a background dancer because you don't see this in any more rap videos didn't i mean they got crowds but you don't really see like video vixens like they used to be like no nah, no nah. it's a very dated concept i guess exactly like, especially with the influx of female rappers, oh, hell I feel yeah. like they are now the video vixens. Like, no, you're here to see me. Mm-hmm. Like, Cardi B will out loud rap you to be like, nah, you watching me. True. Like, a lot of the girls that are using sex appeals to be either, you know, character characters, not a gimmick. But, you know, they're, they're I guess you can call it a gimmick if you want to go that way. Yeah. But, yeah, this second movie had a better soundtrack. Again, John Singleton knows his music. Not only that, yeah, Ludacris contributes some tracks. Listen, Ludacris was the best addition to this franchise thus far. I'm with that. Like He, he adds... Ja Rule, you screwed up in the best way. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't a huge Ja Rule fan in middle school. All the girls loved him. I thought he was terrible at singing. But he had catchy hits. I hated Ja Rule simply because people would make fun of me because of my name. Raul. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But not for real, though. Ja Rule was just, as an actor, he was not a good actor. That's what it was. No. He came off cringe at times. And I'm glad Ludacris took acting serious. And he didn't play Ludacris. He played a character, Ted. Yeah. And he was a retired street racer who's got a garage. He's the money guy that, you know, you go for parts. And then, like, all these years later... He's still Tedge, the IT guy, the tech guy, you know... Oh, I can't wait till you see 
F9. The bromance between uh, Roman and Tej started here slowly, like introduced introduction wise in the second yeah. movie. Because obviously Roman is still on house arrest, but if he does his mission for the government, this is where they, this is where all the shenanigans start, the second movie. But the stunts aren't as crazy, I think. No, no, no. I feel like this one's at least a lot more grounded. Very grounded. I will say the dumbest thing is uh, the cop played by uh, that, James Remar. Bro, that FBI agent was the dumbest he agent. was like, damn it, they're running. Yeah. When oh. they're doing their mission. And it's always like, oh, shoot, they're running. There's no way they're doing his mission. And I just love when Tyrese was just like, is this your food? Yeah, that's my lunch. Good. I'm hungry. <laughs> and even though there's less characters, per se, because, um, was it Devin Aoki? Yeah. I love Devin Aoki. Uh, she was definitely a high school crush of mine. Uh, retired actor Actor now. She has a family. She's just living off residuals of her Benihana fortune. Yeah. <laughs> I'm props to her, I guess, right? But uh, let me pull off the damn IMDb cast because I don't want to miss anybody. Because oh, Michael Ely. Michael Ely was there. And wow, he hasn't come back in the franchises, has he? No, he hasn't. Or um, Spanish dude, I'm completely blanking on his name. The guy from Benchwarmers, right? I should know him. He's a Puerto Rican actor. I just don't know his name because he's never had a big breakout role. So he's always been the the best friend character. Yeah, he's... um. Crap, it's completely... You know who it is, people. He's like, I'm 12 years old. You know exactly what that is. I'm 12. Hey, Amaury Garrido. Amaury Garrido? Let me see yeah. how to say his name. Amaury Nolasco Garrido. Okay, he has two yeah. last names. Yeah, just like me. <laughs> He's 52? Holy yeah. shit, dude. He's aging really well. And not to mention, he collabed back with Tyrese in Transformers. Yes. So they, they definitely have an actual friendship. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. Uh, he's there as a, a racer. Um, Devin Aoki is the only female racer and has the most kawaii race car. Yes. And she has, like, Harajuku Japanese girls as her, like, pit team. Yeah. And also, shout out to Cole Hauser playing Carter Verone, the bad guy. The actual, like, uh, okay, so we're going after this guy. Because Ricky Yoon in the first one isn't a bad guy per se, like the villain we're going after. No, no, no. He was just misplaced. Yeah. His house got raided and his family got shamed, so his dad had to slap him in the face. Yeah. Disown his ass. But he was like a gangster. Like, let's be serious. He was triad. He had his cousin Lance was a fucking real G. Like he had a yeah. damn Uzi with an extendo clip. With the worst aim ever. I mean, listen, these are young guys in their early twenties. I'm not expecting them to be like militant with their guns. I mean, the only, I only think they got Jesse out of luck. Yo, for real, because they they missed that one scene where Jesse died, and like Vin Diesel was right there, no bushes, no damn yeah. fence. Like Dom literally just dodged bullets by sheer luck. He could have been dead. Way He's got the power of family. Apparently. And um, that's what I like about these movies, man. Like, I think the reason this franchise lasted as long as it has is for the sheer fact that, like, every ethnicity ever is in the film franchise. Yes. And back in this, back in the day, even now, there's some some struggle with this shit because, you know, there's those people who are, oh, this movie's too woke, which means too many people have color in it. Um, We didn't see many of us in movies. This is the one franchise where you got directors of color, writers of color, people of color, in the film and not being background characters or being part of the main cast. Exactly. Who would have thought? Because we go to movie theaters a lot more than the average white American, I think. Yeah. 
Because that would be a luxury for us. For us, going to the theaters with a family was a luxury. Where most people who have money grew up like, oh, we're going to the Cape for the summer. We're going to the movies for the summer because it's yeah. cool in there. And it's yeah, that's pretty AC. It's either the be- it's either the beach, the lake, or the theaters. Those are your three options. Be ha- or or a park. But come on, let's be. It's the lake, the beach, or the or we never went to the mountains. Okay, the mountains is rich people shit. Exactly. Because you got to waste gas. Food's cheap up there, but gas alone is a crazy parking. Parking as well, and everywhere we live in New Hampshire, it's all tourist trap. If you go there for anything, there's a million franchises on the road. Oh, I've never been to Buffalo Wild Wings or Hooters, or I've never been to this franchise. That's how they get you. <laughs> but yeah, like the whole thing, bringing it back to Carter Verone is like he's getting like a whole bunch of money smuggled in, and we need you as racers. And people are like, man, when did the stop being street racing? The second movie. Yeah, it was that soon. And if you hear me sniffling, I have a stuffy nose that are nowhere. So excuse me if I sound congested. And the whole thing is there's at least like a plot reason. Like for Paul Walker, they're going to get him back into the LAPD if they do him this job. For Roman, it's finally taking him off house arrest because they find him as a demolition derby. But you know what's funny about that? The, the one genius thing I didn't even think about, he's in house arrest, but his house is a mobile home. So he can literally live anywhere as long as 100 yards from his home. Like, that's genius. Like, why can't people around here think of that idea? Like, oh, I should just get a mobile home. <laughs> and just if you're a house arrest, you get, you're literally on the go. And just so much of everything in this movie, I couldn't help but smile. Because for the longest time, whenever I've done these marathons, because I do it every time a new movie drops, two was one of my ones I always dreaded watching. But yeah. as time went on, I'm just like... Appreciating it. Yeah, because not only for, like, the culture or anything like that, I'm just, like, having fun just watching a movie. There is one movie in this range. What a concept. Having fun watching movies. Who would have thought that was a thing? There is one movie that I, like, kind of groaned going through it, and we will get there. But hopefully this time... I'll be able to look at it with open eyes. With new eyes, new age eyes. Because, you know, some movies age well and some don't. And some you just nostalgically um, respect for what it was at the time. Because filmmaking now is so, let's be honest, so divided. You have the regular fan that enjoys whatever looks good. Then you have the people like us who have podcasts and shows and review shit. Then you got the incels on 4chan and Reddit who just hate life. <laughs> and then you have the people who are the absolutes. Yeah. That are like, it's either a 10 out of 10 or a 0 out of 10. It's like, people don't have a rating scale, bro. Like, the reason I do 1 to 5 is because that's literally the movie scale. Movies were, when I grew up, on VHS and DVD had a 1 to 5 star rating. It's not that hard. It's like, if you think a movie is great, give it 5 stars. But some people are so scared of getting five stars in movies because they're like, oh, you're just a shitty critic because you're not really giving it. No, no, no. I mean, you're talking to us, two dudes who rated John Wick 4. I rated it a six out of five. It's an amazing film, but I know there's flaws in it. I just enjoy it. That's the thing about me. This podcast isn't about 
the quality and the cinematography. You want that? Go to fuck, uh, fucking Ebert. Oh, they're both dead. Rest in peace. Uh, no, Ebert's still alive. No, Robert, no, Robert's still alive. Yes. Cisco and Ebert are both dead. Rest in peace. Uh, but go to those guys. If, because this is why I don't subscribe. Or go to the Academy or something. Yeah, like I don't subscribe to the concept of like, if a movie's good, it's watchable. That's the way I look at it. Can I w- enjoy this movie? Is it fun? That's what a movie's supposed to be. It's entertainment. Exactly. Is this movie awesome? Is it fun? Does it have Ana de Armas? For real, call me. Ish. <laughs> I like that we both simultaneously. Uh, but yeah, is a movie boring? Is it too long? Like, it's okay to have opinions, but I hate how people take their opinions and make it their fucking, like, uh, your personality trait. Yes, exactly. Like, take your opinion and shove up your ass. You're not a damn expert. You're just no. a guy with a shitty podcast. That's why, that's why I like to <laughs> tell myself this. I have a podcast because I enjoy speaking about movies with people that enjoy films. Do I critique them? Absolutely. Just like I critique artwork. But I also am an artist, right? I've taken a shitload of critique. Do I take it to heart? No, because that's just art. It's the way you take it. And again... Everything in art is subjective. There's no right or wrong answers. Yes, storytelling, there could be right or wrong answers because you can write a good and bad book because that's how writing it works. It's a structure to it. There's yeah. a beginning, a climax, a finish. You know, like, how do you get to there? But as far as enjoyment, you can't tell me I can't enjoy a movie because you don't enjoy it. That's not how it works. Exactly. And uh, I cannot wait to see your response for our next set of episodes. Listen, because this just, just a tease. We're going to do part three, which is Tokyo Drift. Very controversial sequel because they went to drift racing in Japan, completely different aspect of it. And part four was the beginning of the shenanigans of the action film, but what the movie is known for now. Spoiler alert, Tokyo Drift ain't that bad. Y'all are just Listen, mean. people hated that movie. People were split. They either loved or hated it. Well, I'll get into it right now. Mm-hmm. It was originally meant to be direct to DVD. No shit. That makes no. sense. It didn't have big stars attached to it. No, it wasn't until when they get the cameo at the end that yeah. they justified a theatrical release. And that's crazy. It's a cameo for that. But anyways, these first two films, for what they are, they're fun films. And I got to say, the second one, my favorite stunt was the damn car going off the pier into the into the yacht. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know if I did this out loud or in my head, but I did like the Dukes of Hazard. Very Dukes of Hazardish. Very like Starsky and Hutch. This is your typical seventies action trope. Yeah, it's cheesy and wacky and zany. Is it unbelievable? It could happen. We've seen some shit happen in World Star like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just perfect timing that it had to happen that way, but. Nah, um, forget about it, cuz. And one thing I gotta bring up is, yes, uh, why was Paul Walker a crip? Because <laughs> I know why Tyrese is a crip, because he grew up in Watts in, in South Central, so that was a crip neighborhood, so that's why he's always rocking blue. And you actually mentioned something like that when we're watching the movie. It's the first time, we someone will correct us, but the first time in a major motion picture, they use the phrase, bruh. Bruh, we heard bruh being used in a film franchise, and it it was, and funny, it was a meme years later, what, 2010, that one convict went to prison and fainted. Yeah, and, and the sound a, effect, the bruh. But I think it's just the vernacular. I think someone's always said bruh, like brother, like bruh, like, you know, just where you're from. I guarantee you that's something Singleton may have brought. It might have been a, a, a West Coast thing, because Singleton's from out West, and that's, their slang is a little bit different because, you know, all, that, that, that's how they speak. Like, that's just yeah, because didn't they grab Tyrese out of Barstow? Literally, 
a town I would have never known. But yeah, it's out there in the desert. Derby's in Derby, like you brought up. And the vernacular is more to where they're from. It makes sense. <laughs> but can I just talk about the whole ejecto cedo cuz I love this button. All like, the listen, I didn't like the Scarface wannabe goons. Yes. Because they were too stereotypical. But I respect that they exist because there are theos that look like that. Yeah, for not today. I think the, today's deals are more toned down. But in 2002, you can't tell me you didn't see guys dressed like that go to the damn club. For real. Like, that was a normal outfit. Just oh, going, God, speaking of the club, the whole rat scene. Bro, with the detective from Bat- uh, Batman Begins. Yes. That guy's just, whoo. That was gross and, like, twisted. But it didn't get too crazy. But it definitely showed that the bad guy was bad. Yes. It was an actual pro- antagonist. He wasn't, he was a mob boss, essentially, from Argentina, who somehow ended up in Miami. Yeah. And somehow had a had a Germanic English name. Again, Nazis had moved to hmm. Brazil and, and Argentina back in the day, just saying. Hmm. But, yeah, he was just this, like, white-collar, not even, yeah, white-collar CEO of something. I don't know what it was. He had a mansion. Eva Mendes was undercover, but... Did she or not sleep with him? I don't know. Like, how deep cover was she? How deep in the covers was she? I'm just saying. That's, so, a, that's I'm just what saying. Tyrese kept asking. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Tyrese wasn't wrong. I mean, it's not crossing the line. Like, how far do you go to catch your man? Because in a sting operation, you're going to blow your cover. And, like, if you're a woman that's single, living in your boss's house in a mansion and eating his food and drinking it, let's be honest, men were very much like, are we going to fuck or not? Like, it's, you know what I'm just saying? Yeah. So... I think they had something, but they didn't, they didn't like, dwell on it too hard. It just, yeah, and not to mention how, like, right near the end where that kiss came from, like, out of nowhere. Yo, that was actually her liking Paul Walker's character. Like, you know, Brian O'Connor got the brace, you know? Yes. <laughs> but um, the movie was fun, and after years later of shitting on it, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, like, again, I used to not look at this one. For the longest time, because it was always like, oh, the one without Ben Diesel. That's how everyone looked at it. Everyone, that's why it didn't make as much in the box office, I think, as much as the first one, because Ben Diesel became a brand. Yeah, especially after Triple X. Yeah, and look, Pritch Black movies has helped too. And like, again, he was in the beginning of the Ben Diesel reign. Like, he was everywhere. Yeah, I think uh, after this was. Between one and two was Triple X, yep. Man Apart, and uh, Find Me Guilty when he had the hair. Yeah. Dude, I haven't seen Man Apart in so long, but it was such a good movie. Yeah. Everyone has seen Man Apart because we've always known, like, either a sister, a cousin. You know Always had, it? like, that triple pack. I'll tell you why I saw Man Apart. My friend, Hachel, he's a Dominican, Dominican uh, cat that I know growing up. He, he, uh, he was a DVD collector. He collected anime series on DVD before it was on streaming services. So he had all the volumes, all the good anime, all the good action movies. He had every Vin Diesel movie known to man. That was just his his guy. Like, yo, you, you haven't seen this one? And I'm like, that's where I saw Man Apart. It was this one day at his house. I remember my sister back when she was living in her first apartment outside co- after college. And, like, she had a shelf of DVDs. And three that always come to mind. Army of Darkness. Yep. Um, Tales from the Hood. No, it was Boys in the Hood. Yep. And A Man Apart. I'm going to be honest. 
There are these hood classic films that everyone has. Yeah. Whether you directly have it or your cousin or whoever. Scarface is one of them. Yep. Um, the the damn uh, uh, Godfather series. Yep. Uh, just all the mob, uh, good fellas. Uh, Not only that, <laughs> you would always have like one of those DVDRs, like burned copies of like Sanky Banky or something. Everyone had Sanky Banky, no, I only want one of the Porque la parte de no, no bueno. That's the, um, the, that was the tagline for the third movie. Yeah. Part two's never good anyway, so we're going to skip the three. Like, oh my God, what? But there was there was always the stack of random DVDs everyone yes. had of like you know like I knew somebody who had like Chinese movies with uh, no English dialogue but they had subtitles and that was a new thing because we didn't see many Chinese movies unless they were like Bruce Lee or Jet Li or or Jackie Chang or whatever. I didn't get into that stuff until uh, I got into Wu Tang, bro. When I watched the Jet Li movies uh, Once Upon a Time in China, it was there's like four or five of them. But they were great movies because they're not just martial arts movies. They're also, like, give you the timeline of history of, like, what was going on in the turning of the new world. And um, it, it, so those are fun movies. But also, like, Crouching Tiger, like, this is the flea market era of movies. There we For go. For real. This is, like, you watch anything because you just had a lot of free time and you just want to watch movies. And, again, are the movies subjective because we have nostalgia to them? Of course. But guess what? If I have kids and um, they want to see adult content movies, I'm not going to show them today's action films because they're too graphic and too much. Like, they're too much, I feel like. Where I can show them the ones that we grew up on are tame in comparison. Yeah. Like, I cannot wait until I show my nephew The Fast and Furious. Oh, he's never seen them. I don't think so. Like... He probably is just thinking, like, yeah, those weird, wild, like, movies. And I'm like, no. It and is I, time. It is, to become a man, you have to watch the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> exactly. We're going to watch this, and then you're going to take your Spanish course, and we're going to watch Sanky Panky. Yo, for real. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like these movies are, again, not just because the Hispanics. Like, the Asian community loves the movies. The black community loves the movies. Like, every community that I've known growing up loves these movies because – Representation's a big deal with me as far as, like, not as a freaking, like, political trope because I hate when people make it seem like it's something negative. But, again, you want to see yourself in movies. I never saw myself in novelas. That's why I never watched some shits. Every Hispanic on a novella look white. I, if you ever saw a novella my, a character in my color, they were usually either the, the butler or the damn farmer. Or the bad guy. Or the bad guy. We were always the villains. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, I always grew up thinking I look like a villain. Every time I watch, like, some sort of thing in media... And, like, they had the name Raul. I was either a gardener or, like, someone's secret lover. Yep. Raul was always a secret lover for some godforsaken reason. Like, I remember I was watching the Boondocks. And, like, they, they just break in in, like, the end of season one. And it's like, uh, Governor, they found it. What do you mean? They found out about Raul. And I'm like, you, hijo de la buena pudiera. Oh, yeah, man, that's funny shit. <laughs> But yeah, so these have been the first two movies. Um, did we really talk about the movies? Uh, no, we talked about what we liked about them because this is not a damn narration podcast. It's no. just things that I like. And you know what? I give the second movie a honest three out of five. Years I give later. it three point five. Okay, it's I'm, grown on me. It's grown on you, and you know what it is. There hasn't been movies. Let's just say it. There hasn't been action movie stars in ages. Uh, and I, I'm I'm getting old of seeing Dwayne Johnson movies at this point. 
Oh. I'm getting Dwayne Johnson fatigue. I know it sounds crazy because I the rock. No, it's kind of ironic you say that considering, like, we got, like, four of his coming up. No, no, no. This is when he was good. Mm. We're getting to the point now where Dwayne Johnson is getting in his Stevenson golf phase. Oh, God. That's what it feels like. I feel like he's becoming the opposite. Like, he was the biggest Hollywood actor at one point. And then in the last two, three years, he became Hulk Hogan in Hollywood. He's like, it's not working for me, brother. Like, I don't know what happened, like, where he's become a diva. Or it appears that he has, allegedly. I'm not going to say he is. I'm just saying, now that he has more power in Hollywood, his decision-making has not really been great. I see that. I don't see, like, the full-on fatigue because the movies that I have seen of his. Like, Black Adam was okay, but I'm not going to say it was the best DC movie that year. Haven't seen that. Again, it was okay. That's just my opinion. Like, I'm going to be honest, the last Dwayne movie I probably saw was Hobbs and Shaw. Which is great, because it was a unique vehicle spinoff of the Fast and Furious, which we will talk about. But that I feel like if I see The Rock in a movie with a tan shirt, I've seen them all. Yes. And that's a meme. Like, literally, look it up. The Rock in a tan shirt. He's always the same character when he's in that Yes, he's either Jumanji, Journey 2, Jungle Rampage, Cruise. Jungle Cruise. It's like, it's the same guy. And not that I'm saying he's not a good actor, because he's not. It's, he's, he knows that. He's an action star. He's playing the Arnold. The, the But even Sylvester Stallone has a range in his characters. Yeah. Like, his characters were vastly different. Rocky and Rambo were nothing alike. And that was literally the same era. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. But anyways, thank you for listening to this long-winded review. I think we've hit the point of fatigue for everybody. I don't want to... Yes, know. we've hit our own Dwayne Johnson fatigue. And um, listen, again, Fast and Furious, great franchise. Um, any last words you got? I've been so excited for this for so long. And I feel like we left out so much, but I feel like if we talk about more, it'd be three hours long. Yeah, exactly. Like, at this point, we should just make, like, a commentary track behind each movie. I got a better idea. What are the top five things you like in both movies? Top five things. And one and two combined? Yep. Makes Number sense. one, the ending of two, like, pockets ain't empty, cuh. Yeah. But it's kind of funny, funny, actually. To the entire sort of, like, where the uh, break-in, yeah. the raid in part one, yeah. where it leads to Ricky Yoon getting, like, smacked by his dad, yeah. and, like, his cousin Lance being taken down. Emotional damage. All right, three. Um, Jesse legit having a panic attack yeah. after losing his dad's car. Yeah, he freaking betted his own... But Which is the funniest thing, because why would his dad have a souped-up Jetta to begin with? No, he souped it up while his dad's in prison. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so it's, that really makes perfect sense. Okay. Uh, for, obviously, the uh, quarter-mile drag race. Yep. In and one. Okay. Yeah, true. And five... I would say literally the uh, tag team street race Yep. in two was just like, I kind of went, there's never been a racing game that has that. Yeah, it's almost like a, a relay race or something. Um, so here are my top five. Um, the introduction of the characters of Vin Diesel and Paul Walker in the fight that they had, Vince and him have. It sets the mood for the entire franchise. Hey, man, he was in my face. I'm in your face. Number two, uh, Michelle Rodriguez just being a complete and utter badass. Like, she just 
stole the scenes, and not just because of her looks. She just carried herself like, I can hang with the guys. And this was a new concept at the time that you don't see often. Now it's just normalized, but back then it was like, oh, okay, so she can hang, she can race. Like, she can race with the, with the, with the, with the big dogs. Um, three is definitely when they go to Tucson for the race wars. That's my favorite scene in the whole movie with the, with the, with the rave they have over there and the guy yeah. with the uh, glow sticks. Uh, and then the two scenes from the second movie, which again, the less memorable because I haven't seen it a hundred times over, is definitely um, Ludacris is a, a speed race thing where he's betting bets for like uh, yes jet skis, a jet ski race. That was a fun sequence. I now who want to win the money back? Because it shows you who he is as a person. He's a hustler. End of the day, he's trying to make money. Yes, he has a legitimate business, but hey, he's trying to make more money on the side. You know why not? It's not illegal, I guess, in Florida. It's just like have. I mean, there's no, like, water police or, like, speed limit in the water. So no, and it's not, like, out in the ocean. It's just, like, in a little... River. Or, like, yeah. some sort of, like, bay or something. But, yeah, they're just they're having fun. It's innocent fun where no one in traffic. Where street racing is illegal, obviously. And the fifth part was definitely the initial race where Paul Walker's uh, Brian O'Connor character was won, won the race when Tej brought up the bridge on some Hot Wheels shit. And, like, he won that thing. Like, he, he just... He became, he transcended the form of Dom Toretto in that film. Yes. Oh, and so he makes that jump. It's like, woo, smack that ass. Yeah, where Amari's character, and De- Devin Keokio, she held her own too. Like, she looked great, but she definitely was, I wish she was in, in the, the franchise more. Yeah. I feel like that was just a taste of what she could have added to the franchise. But that one movie, she was, let's be honest, she was on calendars, on everyone's poster back in high school. Like, she was the it girl. For, yeah. for, like, street racing. And she learned to drive shit for this movie, actually. So, again, she was still young. She was, like, yeah. like 18 or something here. But, um, but yeah, this whole franchise is just... Eva Mendes, shout out to her. She definitely... Did she come back? Or did she ever, like... Yeah, she does. In, in four, right? Five. Five. There we go. I remember seeing her again at least more than once. Um, but, yeah, that's all I got to say. I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, okay, I guess we can just sign off now. Yep. Next review we'll do will most likely be Tokyo Drift and 4. Tokyo Drift and Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious, which confusing title considering the first one is called The Fast and Furious, but whatever. So we'll review those next. If you like this podcast, um, share with your, your, your homies or whatever, your friends, your group, your clique. Uh, it's out there everywhere. So you know where to find me. You know, uh, Raul, where do you find you? Uh, you can find me at all my socials. At Miserbiliality, at M-I-S-E-R-B-I-L-A-L-I-T-Y. I am once again streaming on Twitch. I am celebrating my 250th Platinum. Congratulations on your crazy uh, achievements there. <laughs> I am playing my favorite game of all time, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. Nice, nice. Well, the HD Remaster Reunion. There you go. So definitely tune in, twitch.tv slash Miserbiliality. And you can find me on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, um, Google, shit, Overcast, Anchor kind of got bought out by Spotify, so Spotify and Anchor are now one thing. That's why I don't promote Anchor anymore because it has not been absorbed. Uh, but yeah, I'm everywhere where podcasts can be found. And if you think the podcast is good, we're going to keep reviewing obscure movies as well, not just current films, but just films that people always talk about around the water cooler. You know, just yeah, and definitely like shoot me up for like any random stuff online because I will reply back. And I'll tell you what, if you go into his chat on Twitch and recommend a movie, I will review it so we know that you're actually listening. Yeah, you know what? Let's go for it. I'm down for that. Just say, I listen to the podcast. I want to see 
this movie. But you got to let him know. He's got to ask you which podcast it was the most recent one so you know they're actually looking. Yes, exactly. All right. This has been the Podcast Mercenary Show with the Podcast Mercenary and guest. I am Christian Joel Ramos signing off till next time. Take care. We out.